it's Chris Wendelkin, and this is On The Line, my NBA podcast. We are talking all things NBA playoffs this week. Thanks for tuning in. If you're new to the show, you can tweet at me at OnTheLine underscore pod. Find me on Instagram. Check out previous episodes of this podcast on our website. That's OnTheLinePodcast.com. Uh, check out a deep dive, uh, old drafts that Ben and I have done. It's all up there. Last, if you could rate, review, subscribe to the show in Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get podcasts, I greatly appreciate it. All right, today we are uh, continuing part two of my conversation with Ben Craw. We're going to be discussing breaking down all the Eastern Conference playoff matchups from week one. Um, ben and I had this conversation just a day or two ago. Hopefully it hasn't aged too much, but um, I did actually want to talk about one or two things quickly here at the top. I did have the amazing good fortune to go to the pivotal, incredible Sixers-Nets playoff game, game four at Barclays Center. It was absolutely incredible. I don't know where to begin with this game, but... Um, I, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention it. Um, obviously, it's not going to come up in the conversation with Ben, which uh, which I had on Friday. So um, I thought I'd just uh, share my two cents here. I think this series is uh, totally fascinating. There are such high stakes um, for both teams at play. And uh, I got to say, I was really impressed by the energy and the atmosphere at Barclays Center, man. Like the, 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 the fans were rabid. They were really crazy. There were definitely Sixer fans in the building. I went with my friend Josh and uh, there were definitely some uh, Sixers fans that drove up from Philly, but the Brooklyn fans were, were loud. Man, what can you say? Jared Dudley. Like <laughs> that was one of my biggest take takeaways from this whole the whole series has been that like somehow Jared Dudley, a player that like may or may not be on an NBA roster next year, has somehow worked his way, like wormed his way into being a central figure in this series. Here's a three by Dudley. Oh, and now he's putting his hands up the way that Ben Simmons was going to him when he airballed that in game three. He got in the head of, uh, continues to get in the head of uh, Simmons and Embiid. And uh, of course, there was the, the big scuffle, the altercation with Jimmy Butler. Embiid and crashing again to the floor, my goodness. Dudley and Simmons into the stands. Both guys wind up getting ejected. It was an electric moment, I gotta say, in the arena. As soon as that happened, everyone just rose to their feet and they're like, what the hell's happening? Um, so I, I, I'm just, I'm stunned. I'm stunned. We're doing a playoff podcast and actually talking about like the relevance of, uh, of Jared Dudley, a guy that I did not know, frankly, was still in the league. When Jared Dudley got in your face in the third quarter, what, what did you make of the whole incident? I mean, first of all, he's a nobody, so... Beyond the fact that he's just kind of been a heel and like a thorn in the side of the Sixers, I gotta say, he he played really well in that game four yesterday. He, he hit a bunch of big critical shots, a couple of big three-pointers. But what can you say? The Sixers, you know, I think they kind of needed this moment. 
I think they kind of needed this moment. They needed this galvanizing moment. They needed something to sort of light a fire under their ass, to be to to be frank. And maybe Jared Dudley was was that fire under the ass. Credit to Joel Embiid. You know, I mean, the guy comes up with an absolutely monster performance. Uh, Thirty-one points, something like sixteen rebounds, uh, seven seven assists. Six blocks, um, just just a monster, monster game from him. Tobias Harris was really asserting his himself. Uh, Twenty four points, eight rebounds, six assists. He had a great game. And Simmons, you know, uh, credit Ben Simmons. He was efficient. Uh, Fifteen points, eight assists, eight rebounds. So um, the Sixers, you know, it was really a put up or shut up moment for them, and they definitely put up. I expect them now to, uh, you know, to really pull away in the series here. I will be curious going into Tuesday night's Game 5 whether or not Embiid plays. It seems, you know, at this point the Sixers have a comfortable three games to one lead. It can only, it, I would imagine, it would it could only benefit them to just get him more rest. Um, but, uh, man, hell of a game. A hell of a moment. It feels like, you know, this is something that Ben and I will talk about later in our conversation in this podcast. Like, you know, what's at stake for the Nets and what's at stake for the Sixers? And it I, it does feel like something was really gained here for the Nets. You know, I, I think at this point it's safe to say that they're going to lose the series. But they did sort of plant the flag. Uh, they did sort of plant their organizational flag in the sand here. And they're a team that's going to be, you know, that's going to have to be reckoned with. Karis Levert had a great game uh, on Saturday. Levert was just, just carried the team on his back during stretches. 25 points, six assists, five rebounds. D'Angelo Russell, uh, you know, had some had some huge three-pointers, 21 points, six assists, uh, seven rebounds. And, uh, you know, Jared Allen... The box score looks great, you know, probably, you know, his, his biggest performance all playoffs, 21 points, eight rebounds, but he had a couple of bonehead, bonehead turnovers late and, uh, you know, it ultimately is going to cost them the series here, but, you know, kudos to the Nets. Um, they played a great series. I, 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 I would imagine this, this thing's going to get wrapped up in five or six games. It'll be very interesting to see how the Sixers continue to handle these moments of adversity as they move forward throughout the playoffs. I'm very much keeping an eye on them and uh, how they handle it. And then, of course, we had last night's Portland-Oklahoma City pivotal Game 4 matchup. I just... For starters, I, I gotta say, there's just there was such there has been such incredible energy for these these games from the home court uh, throughout the first round. I mean, it's just the stakes for for both of these teams has been so high. It's been so fun to watch these games. The first thing I think we we just gotta talk about is Damian Lillard. You know, uh, Lillard was once again held in check throughout the first half tonight, and once again he comes out just guns blazing in the third quarter. I mean, he drains a couple of huge crossover threes. Uh, he finishes with 15 points in the third quarter tonight. And let's face it, folks, he absolutely wiped the floor with Russell Westbrook. Um, Westbrook finishes the night five for 21 for with 14 points. He finishes a negative 17 on the night. I mean, just just an awful look for him. But but the real story here is Lillard. I mean, Dame is an absolute sniper uh, at at points during that third quarter. I mean, he just absolutely robbed Chesapeake Energy Arena of their will to to live to to root on to root on the home team. And uh, you know, Oklahoma Oklahoma hung in there. They rallied in the third. At one point, they. 
They cut the lead down to nine points with 11 minutes left in the fourth. But, you know, the Trailblazers were just too much. They got some huge clutch performances tonight. Alfarik Aminu is one guy that I wanted to mention. Aminu had 19 points, nine rebounds, a steal, a block. He was a plus 20 on the night, and it just felt like every time he was getting a bucket, every time he was getting a rebound, it felt like so clutch, you know, so so memorable. And uh, same for guys like, you know, Mo Harkless. Harkless finishes with 15 and 10. Ennis Cantor went went for eight eight points, ten rebounds, three assists. He finished with a block, a couple of steals, um, and of course C.J. McCollum. I mean, yeah, we can't say enough about this guy. McCollum goes for twenty seven points, four rebounds, three assists. He's a plus twenty five on the night. He was five for nine from three, uh, hit both of his uh, both of his free throws, ten for ten for twenty from the field. Um, but but the hero of this game for Portland and this the hero of this series is going to be Lillard, and uh, he's going to be the story. He's going to be the story going forward. And you know, Barkley and Kenny Smith were talking about Portland during half as as a team that that could potentially really give Golden State a run for their money. And I I, I got to agree. I mean, these guys look look just ferocious tonight. They're playing inspired ball. And I am very excited to see where this team can can take things, assuming that they move forward now in uh, into into round two. I still expect this series with OKC to go maybe six games, um, but I am uh, I, I do expect Portland to eventually pull away here, and I look forward to uh, to seeing where they where they can take things. So um, with that said. With that said, let's talk a little Eastern Conference playoff action. Here's part two of my conversation with the one, the only, the incomparable, Ben Kropp. All right, Ben, let's hop over to the Eastern Conference. Let's start at the top with the Bucks and the Pistons. Um, I mean, I, I think everyone sort of expected this to be just like a blowout of a series. Yeah, and, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I don't really have much to say about this one. Yeah. I mean, Blake I Griffin, haven't actually... I think yeah, Blake I watched has any of been games. ruled out at this point for the entire series. I think, I think it's like... He's, Which sucks. Yeah, I think he's technically like a game time decision for all these games. But every, yeah. you know, it's like it turns out every game he's still not healthy enough to play. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just not going to be. Such a huge bummer after an awesome season from him. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it would have really mattered too much anyway if he was playing. But it uh, it's definitely a huge bummer. You'd, you'd love to see him, you know, out there after, uh, after you know, probably one of his best seasons of his career actually this past yeah, year. yeah for sure of course it was ironic because he was healthy all year finally after yeah. battling so many injuries in the past yeah. and then bam at the very end fucking bummer i think one thing i mean it, it shouldn't it shouldn't require this like it shouldn't require this but like it, it one thing we are seeing is like Giannis on full display for america oh, yeah. you know it's like yeah. if, if you're just a very very casual NBA fan, and you're just sitting down for the first time to watch NBA basketball. You're really seeing like, okay, this Giannis Antetokounmpo guy is the real freaking deal. He yeah. had the uh, what was it like the full court dunk where he, I think it was like one dribble. He stole the. He ball. took one dribble right. from like foul line to foul line. It has been incredible. Here he comes again. Oh, goodness. And the Greek basketball god raining down. I will say he should just take off from behind the foul line next time because it was like, you know, a few inches in front of the foul line. Yeah. And I feel like if you're going to do it, you might as well just do the full foul line dunk. Um, 
because you know we all we all want to see so that. from a strategic standpoint do you think moving forward we can s- imagine that like Budenholzer is going to start scaling back Giannis's minutes like it seems I mean, like prop- they have a comfortable yep. lead in the series it seems like they have a comfortable margin of victory in all these games like what's the point and you know i would yeah i think that would be pretty pretty ra- uh, rational um i also read something on twitter that uh really struck me which is that you know, you talk about uh, you know when the when the postseason hits, all these teams make adjustments, right? And they they change up their schemes a little bit. They change their they tighten up their rotations. And I read a tweet. I forget who it was by. I wish I could remember. But um, someone said that the biggest adjustment that is available to any of the sixteen playoff teams is that the Milwaukee Bucks can go from playing Giannis thirty two minutes a game, which is what he was at in the regular season, to forty minutes a game. And that just kind of like yeah. blew my mind a little bit yeah. because I was, you know, uh, like one of his um, cases, either pro or against his MVP case, was that he didn't actually play that many minutes in the regular season. They were really, really smart about, you know, limiting him, and um, they're so good that a lot of their games were, were blowouts, so he could sit, you know, entire fourth quarters and stuff. Um, but the fact that he's like, you know, the probably the best player alive um, or tied with James Harden and the, and the fact that he can now be ramped up to like a full, you know, like fucking Allen Iverson level of, uh, of playing time is like pretty terrifying. <laughs> terrifying. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I think they're in a pretty, pretty good position going into round two. Yeah. I'm excited to see them play some stiffer competition in, uh, in round two. Um, yeah. On that note, let's move on to the Celtics and the Pacers. Um what what do you want to discuss here? Um, it seems like the Again, Celtics are in command. I mean, the Pacers. Yeah, they're seem... up 2-0. It, you know, game two was tight, and then the, the Celtics pulled away at the end. Got to give the Pacers credit for you know toughing it out and and uh, and you know doing their best here without their star player Oladipo, but. Yeah, I don't know. I don't really see much changing here. I'm, uh, you know, again, I guess it could change back when they get to their home court, but. Yeah, I think the Celtics just have too much talent. Man, I feel like the Pacers are one star player away, and I don't know who that player is or how they could land that player, but it's a shame. Like, it does feel like they're one mega player away from really competing. Yeah, they have such a great team defense, so many awesome individual defenders. Yeah. Thad Young, and I've seen Miles Turner is incredible in the middle. They feel like this um, great ensemble that needs, frankly, like a Kawhi Leonard. You know, yeah. like like uh, a guy who's just going to be the anchor who like owns that team. And obviously, right. you know, I think the hope is that Oladipo is that guy. Um, yeah, but it does yeah, they feel just can't. Like... I mean, they just can't. They don't know how to score in crunch time. Yeah. I mean, the uh, I, I read a stat that they in the fourth quarter of game two, they uh, did not make a single two point shot. I think they shot like four of seventeen or something like that, yeah. and every one of their shots was a three. Yeah. Um, and it's just kind of like, yeah, you're going to need to Ugh. score points what sucks, in the fourth quarter. What sucks, obviously, is uh, Indiana is obviously the team that drafted Kawhi Leonard uh, like way back when. Oh, that's right. Yeah, wow, they traded, I totally forgot they about that. They traded Kawhi on draft night to San Antonio for the rights to George Hill. With the 15th pick in the 2011 NBA draft, the Indiana Pacers select Kawhi Leonard from San Diego State University. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, forget yeah. about that. Yeah, I wish they could have that one back. All right, let's yeah. move on to um, probably my favorite series of the East, and that's yeah. the Sixers and the Nets. Oh, yeah. Um, so where to begin here? Um, I know, a lot going on. A lot going on. I feel like... Last night was game three. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of a... Um, 
like one of my least favorite things I will say is when an NBA playoff game is like really, really tight in the first half and it looks like it's going to go down to the wire. And then one team just pulls away in the second half. Just loses control. And that's yeah. kind of what happened yeah. last night, which was uh, kind of a letdown. Yep. But yeah, I mean, but yeah, it I, seems... I feel like we need to talk about both teams in a big picture way and like what's happening for both franch like for both franchises kind of and their fans and the cities that they're from and how that impacts the implications of this series you know what i mean like mm. the sixers and philadelphia fundamentally cannot lose this series like it is an, it would be it would be a disaster yeah. like you as a resident of philadelphia yep. i am highly concerned that my city would be on fire um, yeah. if if the sixers were to lose this series i don't think it'll happen no knock on wood but I honestly, like for the safety of myself and my family, like I really am rooting for the Sixers. Yeah, they even even though I love the Nets. Yeah, they fundamentally like it's imperative that they that they win this series. I mean, let's talk about what would happen if they lost. I think Br- Brett Brown would be fired, right? That's probably yeah. fair to say. Can't imagine he keeps his job. I don't know if Jimmy Butler or Tobias Harris would resign i don't know if they'd be offered contracts like it, it it just it just muddles the whole future i feel like if they lost this series without projecting anything i i would imagine a big reason why they would potentially lose is like someone like ben simmons um doesn't shoot well or doesn't play up to expectations there would be increased scrutiny and criticism about ben simmons joel Embiid's health would be would become a major topic, right? Like, like oh, yeah. the fact that he didn't play in game three would be scrutinized. The fact that Embiid um, was used so heavily throughout the regular season. You know, we're, we're both big fans of the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast hosted mm-hmm. by Spike Eskin and Mike Levin. And something that those guys have been, have have harped on for all year is like, what is Embiid playing 40 minutes for in the middle of yeah. November? Why is Joel not sitting any back to back? Why is Joel Embiid playing 40 minutes? It's March. Like, why is he playing 40 minutes a uh, night in March? This is silly. It's nonsense. And here we are in the playoffs and like, Hey, guess what? You know, he might have tendonitis in his knee and can't play in game three. And now we're like, you know, this is an important game. So I, I feel like yeah. if the Sixers were to ever lose this series, there would be such organizational chaos uh, scrutiny they would just be uh i it, it would just i it would be a lot it would be a lot for the whole organization yeah I, th- I would be concerned for um mike and spike's health yes. uh per- particularly mike who i feel like takes some of these losses uh yeah pretty hard yeah yeah um, yeah i mean i yeah, feel like I'd everyone knows that spike is a madman um but i think my, I would be, I would definitely be really concerned for yeah. Mike. Yeah. Mike, Mike actually worries me more. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, and then from the Nets perspective, you know, he, you know, the thing with the Nets is like, I, I don't mean to say they're just happy to be there, but the Nets have already won, right? Like the, yeah. the Nets, the Nets making they were, the playoffs. They were a rebuilding team uh, whose rebuild just happened way more successfully and yes. way more quickly than they than they thought it the would nets happen. making the playoffs was a victory like this is the, yeah. just being here being playing competitive basketball in round one of the playoffs considering where yeah. that we're taking taking game one off of uh yeah uh, of the off the sixer seed yeah i mean d- just playing competitive basketball considering where that organization has been the last 
five, six years, you know, like getting fleeced in the trade with Boston for Kevin mm-hmm. Garnett and Paul <laughs> Pierce, hand, handing away all their draft picks, all their future assets in that trade. Um, it's like a great story for Brooklyn to have this team like matter to have there be meaningful basketball in Brooklyn at the, at the Barclays center is a big, big deal. So, Mm -hmm. um, I've been intrigued, uh, needless to say, I've been really intrigued by this series and what could happen and the implications of either team winning or losing. I mean, if the nets were to win this series, it would mean what, I mean, it would mean like, it would certainly mean that they are much like the Clippers, uh, you know, helping their cause um, through through uh, some some playoff uh, performance. Like, you know, it, it, like already, I think Brooklyn has has helped their cause immensely by, um, you know, for uh, this coming summer's free agent um, uh, period, just from being like, yeah, we're relevant. You know, like we are. A, probably a better run organization than the New York Knicks. Uh, yeah. As much as that pains me to say, it's pretty obvious. Um, much like the Clippers are looking a lot more or the Lakers uh, or any desirable these, than the Lakers or any yeah. of these like you know <clears throat> sexy marquee franchises that that players are supposed to care about. Uh, yeah. You know, a friend of mine, a friend of mine who's a Nets season ticket holder, was like, uh, "My worst nightmare is that the Nets and Sixers get to like a meaningful point." And there's like, you know, uh, like a game six in Brooklyn and, uh, Jimmy Butler hits like the game winning shot and the Nets convince themselves that they have to sign Jimmy Butler to like a max contract. (laughs) And I was like, you know what? I could actually definitely see that happening. Oh yeah. Yeah. They got some calf space too. Yeah. 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 Although I honestly think that that's unlikely because the Nets are too intelligent of an organization. Yeah. Um, I don't know what they're going to do, but it's, yeah, it's super interesting. It's weird. I, you know, and I don't know if, like, yeah, it, I don't know. It's funny because I, I still keep coming back to, like, yeah, but they're the Nets. I know. Like, I mean, uh, our other favorite podcast, Cookies, always is always har- harping on the fact that, like, their name and their color scheme um, and their mascot, everything is, is, is garbage. It's stupid. <laughs> like, no. Although I will say, uh, as a counter argument, they're... Um, their uh, city edition like Kuji style uniforms yes. with like the uh, those look fucking dope. Um, I agree, and I and I love seeing like the arm sleeves and stuff. But yeah, if they're not wearing those um, those jerseys, then they look stupid. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just like it's the Nets. I don't know, like who's a like a fan of this team? I don't really understand being like a New York resident or even a Brooklyn resident and not being a Knicks fan. Um, yeah. So, I, I mean, I feel I like, know. like for us, we've lived in this part of the country and like Knicks is part of our DNA. And also as kids, the Nets were the New Jersey Nets. They were not the New York. It's not like, right. It's not like Which is even more pathetic. Yeah. It's not like rooting for the Brooklyn Nets was ever an option for us as like kids. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's they like, don't have like a rich history. Yeah, it, yeah, it wasn't like, and, Oh, should we be Islanders or Rangers fans or Jets or Giants fans? You know, it's, yeah. it, was, it was just that they were the team in New Jersey. So that wasn't where we were from. But, right. um, yeah, man, I'm curious. It, it feels strange for me to admit this, but I am definitely pulling for them. You know, like I'm, I am definitely pulling yeah, well, for the Nets. We've also talked about how we actually kind of like the Nets players more than the Sixers players. Yes. Uh, even though, yeah, again, I'm a Philly resident now. I should be rooting for this team. Um, but I don't really like 
Joel Embiid all that yeah, much. No. If that's uh, my if I'm allowed to say that, I like don't really like Ben Simmons. Yeah, no, um, can't we just admit that they're like kind of mean spirited? Like they're all kind they all kind of seem like dickheads. Like, did you see that clip of them um of Embiid and Simmons laughing, laughing? at the podium? I didn't about I didn't elbowing no, I've, Jared I've Allen. obviously heard about it. They, it's not I great. I mean they're just kind of, I mean, they're obviously they're young, they're immature, whatever. I, it's, you know, but they just kind of seem like fucking cocky kids. Yeah. Um, and they are really good. Don't get me wrong. Um, I'm not one of those people who's like, oh, Ben Simmons is bad. He should be traded. He's fucking awesome as he's clearly right. shown in the past two games. Right. Um, uh, but yeah, they're just not, they're kind of hard to root for as opposed to the Nets with like Karis LeVert, who's one of my probably top 10 favorite players in the league. Um, and yeah, I mean, we love Dinwiddie and his, uh, Mike Woodson goatee. Oh God. We love, we love the fro. That's another um, one, man. The facial hair on Dinwiddie. Like <laughs> oh, it's, yeah, I mean, that, we could do a full, all-timer. you know what? I think actually I just realized what we're going to do. <laughs> A facial hair draft? <laughs> We're doing a facial hair draft. Oh, of course. And frankly, yeah. man, I wouldn't even be mad about a uh, goatee draft. Just goatees. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love it. I love it. I'm going to put that down. in the book. Uh, put, add that to the doc. Yep. Books. Yeah. Um, yeah. Write go, that one down right now. Goatee draft. Um, yeah. We love the, we love the Nets. I mean, even though we are Knicks fans, it feels weird to say, but, but if, you know. Yeah, they're likable. I mean. Pl- player by player, they're likable. When, when um, you take like this, the name of the city off the jersey, it's like you just always root for the underdog, or at least I do. It's yeah, like yeah. I'm just pulling for the guy. I'm pulling for the little guy. Totally. And uh, they are definitely that in this series. I also want to point out, it feels like, you know, you said Embiid and Simmons are kind of like assholes. They, beyond the fact that they are assholes, if you look at the rest of the roster, they really mm. do feel like, feel, and I see this as nicely as possible, they do feel like Philadelphia, which feels like it's they're chippy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they're, they got like mm-hmm. a chip on the shoulder. They're a little, you know what I mean. They're like edgy. They're like they're they're a little. Uh, they got something to well, prove. Does I'll that tell you what, Mike's brand? Mike's Mike Scott's tattoos are certainly edgy. Oh my god, let's <laughs> talk about Mike Scott's tattoos. That was a fun I mean, text exchange last night. Yeah, yeah. I, I, there's not much to say other than just uh, everyone. If you have not uh, Google image searched Mike Scott's tattoos, please do Go it now. Do it. And uh, yeah. yeah, just just do it and just check him out and uh, yeah, see what 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 he's got all over his body. Um, yeah, um, man, it's incredible. I mean, Mike Scott has the just about the full emoji menu on like his <laughs> right and left biceps. Um, all, does he like all add? Does he, do you think he adds tattoos every time Apple releases new emojis? <laughs> do you think he's like, oh shit, I got to squeeze some more oh, in now? Man, now like, I got to do lady face palming and like yeah, oh geez, yeah. now I got to do like uh, I got to get that salsa dancer yeah. in on my on my left buttock somewhere yeah after practice i'm gonna get a little firefighter like tattoo a little fireman yeah. tattooed on my arm <laughs> uh yeah he's he's special um yeah i mean obviously you know jj is uh we could do an entire podcast about him and we have yes uh go back and search the archives for that one yeah but it does feel like this this sixers roster is representative of the city and sort of the angst maybe that's what i'm getting at like there is a there is a good deal of angst surrounding the mm. team the fans mm-hmm. they've invested invested obviously in the process we love the process i love the sixers i love the sixers but um, they are certainly the, the franchise that never is dull yeah like it just never stops it's never easy and it's not maybe that's what yeah. it is it's never just it's never just easy it's never just it's never like, going to be easy yeah. it's never going to be boring right the stakes now are high Even they're going to be high for a while Embiid sitting in game three with knee soreness it's like of course like it never stops yeah. it, it'll never 
they'll never feel safe. It, yeah, <laughs> Embiid sitting, and then the decision to start fucking, <laughs> fucking the moose. moose. Uh, Greg Monroe. Oh my god, Greg Monroe, uh, who was not good. Um, I'm not exactly sure why they started him. I guess the idea was to like switch it up and bring Boban off the bench. I wonder but... if it's just like they can only play Boban so many minutes. I, yeah. I, I wonder if it's like just like a stamina. I'm still not sure why Jonah, why Jonah Bolden's not in there. Um, That's a good point. I mean, they won by, let's see, hang on one second. Um, Thursday night. Philadelphia won by one last night's game by 16 points. Wow. And... Greg Monroe was a um, Greg Monroe was a negative nine. Wow. Um, every other player was uh, Jimmy Butler was a plus eighteen. Tobias plus twenty three. Boban plus eighteen. Ben Simmons plus eleven. Uh, JJ plus six. Greg Monroe negative nine. All right. Um, so looking looking forward with this series, we've done a lot of looking back. What has happened? Mm. Looking forward to like the future. What? How do you see this series shaking out? Is it? Are you leaning one way or the other? Like, yeah, it sounds like at this. Point, I mean, after last night, you gotta you gotta figure Philly's kind of yeah. right of the ship and and taking control again. They just have too much talent. Uh, the fact that Embiid can sit and they can still win pretty pretty handily, um, you know, gives me some some confidence. What do you um, like them in six games, seven games? Yeah, it's probably six. six. I can't really see. You know, I'm, I think Brooklyn could, could maybe snag one more, but it seems like a lot to ask for them to push it to seven. God, I would love it. I would love if they could. Take it would be exciting games. because that yeah, means that would there be... would be one last major dramatic, like heart attack, heart attack inducing, like plot twist. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, yeah. Which would be super fun. How, yeah. how do you feel about Brett Brown? Like, uh, as someone that lives in the city, do you feel like his job is? safe do you feel like people like the, the job that he's doing down there i mean I, I i honestly don't have much of an opinion i i feel like everyone likes him but everyone's also always kind of wary of whether or not he's in fact a good coach yeah i think this postseason is certainly going to decide a lot um i think his whole kind of future is like hanging in the balance yeah. here um, you know spike made this point on the rights to ricky sanchez podcast where it's like I don't know if he's a good or bad coach, but let's, if you swapped in any other coach, like would the results be that right. much different? I like, if, don't think he's really the problem. Yeah. It's their, like, their roster is the problem. And the, the reason why the Nets won game one is because they don't have guards on their roster right. um, who can guard opposing guards. I mean, it's like pretty simple. Like you can't just have like five centers and Tobias Harris right. and like Jimmy Butler, who is like, you know, basically a three um, also, if and, you're like losing games because Ben Simmons can't hit a jump shot, or if you're losing games because Joel Embiid is like not injured. healthy, like yeah. what you know, d- having a different coach, and you know, if Billy Donovan was the coach, would that be any different or something? You know what I mean? Right, like, right. What, I don't know. Anything else you want to talk about with the Nets and the Sixers, or should we move on to the Raptors Magic? I think we should move on. Okay, let's do Great. it. Great. Let's uh, round this baby out. Okay. <laughs> Uh, Raptors, Home stretch. Raptors and the Magic were tied at one game apiece. Mm-hmm. Um, man, the first game, right? Of course, Kyle another Lowry, big upset. Yeah, Lowry vanishes. We have Michael Carter Williams getting uh, bloodied up. He has the bloody nose, and then we have the huge, huge moment from DJ Augustine. Five. Um, again, you know, kind of like the the 
the Golden State uh, Clippers series, the other uh, 8-1 matchup, it feels mm-hmm. like we know how this series is going to end. You know what I mean? It feels like we know who's going to win and who's going to lose this series. But right. I won't forget that signature game one moment with Augustine winning the game. You know? Yeah. Like, like, now, I did not watch game one live. Mm-hmm. You did. Mm-hmm. Um, and I see you wrote here in the notes that Scotiabank Arena yes. seemed a little spooked. Yes. You, you, you wrote here there were spooky vibes. Yes. Uh, uh, quote, unquote, yes. in the arena. Yes. Can you explain to me those spooky vibes? You know when you're watching TV and it's a pivotal <laughs> playoff game. And a, and a ghost comes out of the television <laughs> yeah, screen yeah. and grabs you? When a ghost comes out of the camera and goes, boo, I'm a ghost, and then he disappears real quick. <laughs> um, no, yeah. like, like when you're watching a big playoff game at a team's home court arena or stadium and it's way too quiet, it's like way too quiet for. Mm. It's like wait, you guys are the team that's favored. Like, shouldn't yeah. you be on You're your like, feet wait, I, going crazy? This is a this is a sporting event on my television, right? Like, there's a crowd no- noise exactly. in the background usually. It's like, shouldn't you guys all be like on your feet, going bananas, going ape shit? You know, there's yeah. two minutes left, close game. Why aren't you imploring your team to win? And wow. you kind of understood. It's like, oh my god, this is what always happens to these poor. It's fans. happening again. Like it's happen- it doesn't matter it's if you trade your team. Like they are for new players. There's yeah. some sort of like weird cursed energy. You know what I mean? Oh, and god. like I think I'm hoping that they could get past it, and they're still working through it, or whatever. But like you, it was undeniable, even with the game close. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like because the the Raptors were winning at one point. It was like. Even when the game was close, you could sense in the atmosphere in the arena there was that just it's that like, dread. There was dread. Yeah. yeah, it was like nothing is safe. There, like uh, we don't feel like safe to like be happy and excited about our team. Right. And right. Um, yeah, man. I mean, and, and credit the Magic too. They played their they played their heart out. They played their asses off. Absolutely. Shouts to John Isaac. Yeah, uh, John Isaac. A huge, huge game one. A huge corner three in game one, and. Um, those guys are gritty. I got to say, like, Michael Carter-Williams completely outplayed Kyle Lowry in game one. And mm. this is not, like, a new hot take. This is not a new opinion or whatever. But there's something maybe cooking there in Orlando. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, I'm not saying it's going to happen this year. But, like, maybe Orlando is kind of figuring some stuff out. And I don't know. I, I hope they I hope they sign Vucevic. I hope they resign him and, um, and, they, and they continue to build what they got going there. And... Who knows? Maybe um, maybe Markel like Markel Fultz puts some things together, figures it out. Maybe he gets healthy. That could be a fun team to keep your eye on next year. I mean, if Markel comes back and is like a meaningful part of of that team, that's going to be like one of the one of the like ha- like happy stories in the entire NBA. Like that's going to be so great. And then with you know our one of our. F- our absolute faves, the preacher, John, Jonathan Isaac, oh, God. uh, the you know, this is running mate. We love the preacher. Um, we've talked about the preacher before, but yeah, I mean, that's like one of, one of like the sneaky, like most like, you know, lovable teams. If, um, if, if they, if they keep it going next year. Yep. 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 Certainly rooting for them. But yeah, as for this year, you know, obviously the Raptors came back in game two, um, absolutely seized control. Kawhi just kind of like took everything over and was like, "No, it's it's okay. We're we're gonna yeah, we're gonna handle our business Leonard. here." Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, he was uh, unstoppable. Sadly, Isaac, uh, you know, put up kind of a dud in game two. Um, but uh, but yeah, certainly, you know, winning game one, uh, you know, bodes well for their future. I love I love that the Magic will have some momentum um, going into next year. So. 
Yeah. Um, can you see going forward? Can you see the Magic squeaking out another game here, or is do you, do you imagine this getting wrapped up in five games? I mean, yeah, we'll see. Maybe they can snag one more on their home court, right. but it sort of seems like the Raptors kind of like got over that gut check moment. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I I have a feeling that they're that they're just too good to really fuck around again like that. And seems like they'll be able to handle their business with uh, with Kawhi there. I mean, just his experience and uh, and I mean, similar to how you know Milwaukee suddenly has like playoff Giannis uh, available, the fact that the Raptors suddenly can be like, oh, okay, it's the playoffs right. now, Kawhi. You're not going to sit every third game. Um, you're just going to be like at your apex, like. They're a very good team. <laughs> yeah, man. Calling um, back to one last thing that we talked about with the Sixers is like, you think about Kawhi Leonard this year. He basically played. It seemed like he was playing like sixty percent of the time. You know, like oh, I, yeah. I, I like, don't literally. I, I yeah. don't have he the numbers played. in front of me, but like as someone that played fantasy basketball, I was constantly monitoring monitoring like his stats and like the the his team the stats of his teammates because people would like pick up the slack when he wasn't playing. It seemed like he only played about like. 60, 65% of the time. He played 60 out of 82 games there you go. Uh, this past season. Okay. So uh, with that said, like that may have been strategically like one of the best moves that Nick Nurse made this past year. And when you think about how Embiid was handled, like mm-hmm. they, it seems like a, an opportunity was missed with Joel Embiid's yeah. health and that they needed to manage and be more strategic about his playing time. And they just weren't. And, yeah, um, absolutely. It's a shame, but uh, Ben, that is uh, that. That's all the time we have. Um, all right, I'm glad that we stuck to our five minutes per series <laughs> no. rule. Um, yeah, that that really could not have gone more smoothly and uh, and and rapidly. So good job. Yeah, man. Us. The NBA playoffs will continue this week. Um, thank you for taking a few minutes here on the line, and uh, we will be back talking to you next week. Thanks very much, Ben. Absolutely. We'll talk again next all week. Right, See you, man. All right, bye. All right, hope you enjoyed that conversation with Ben Craw. My name's Chris Wendelkin. This is On The Line. You can tweet at me at ontheline underscore pod. Find me on Instagram. Check out previous episodes on our website, onthelinepodcast.com. Check out previous episodes, drafts, deep dives. It's all up there. Last, if you could rate, review, subscribe to the show in Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get podcasts, I greatly appreciate it. Enjoy watching postseason basketball. What's better than the NBA playoffs? Uh, Enjoy the spring weather, and I will talk to you guys next week. Yeah.